Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And hello there. Here we are, just about to get on the road. We're going to Birmingham, Alabama today. Boy, we've been uh, we've been really focused on Alabama the last couple of weeks. Don't ask me why. We, well, I mean, we went and saw Selma, which taught us, reminded us of a lot of things we knew about the civil rights movement. And then there's a play in our neighborhood called Alabama Story, and now we're going to Birmingham, Alabama, to meet with a wonderful bunch of parents and their kids. We're going to be, a lot of times when we go out to speak, what we love to do, and we can't always work this out because logistically it's a little hard for people, but we love to meet with the kids first in a big auditorium or whatever, and we don't exclude the parents. We have them sit around the outside edge and just listen in, and then we talk to the kids Usually we don't get kids under seven or eight, but we talk to them about family communication and being open and sharing things. We even give them a little secret code for how to communicate better with their parents and in their family. And then we talk to them a little about making some decisions in advance. And it's always a lot of fun. Um, we really enjoy doing this, and in fact, it leads into what we want to talk about today. But I was going to say it's a good segue, isn't it? Decisions in advance, right? And let let's explain a little bit about that before we go into this. Um, we really feel it's important to have kids set their own goals, and it's a great idea to have them set some kinds of goals in advance. And yeah, well, goal. I mean, in a way, they tie together, don't they? The, the, the process of goal setting and the process of decision making. Uh, in fact, the, the line between them is fairly thin. We we often don't think of them as synonyms. We think, well, you set goals, and that's one thing, and then and then you make decisions as they come along. But what we try to teach kids, and we try to actually help their parents do the same thing and teach the kids, is that. A lot of the decisions kids make, and I'm talking about kids anywhere from, you know, seventh, seven or eight years old up to upper teen years, a lot of their decisions really could be made in advance. And that's the best way to make them because if they wait until there's a lot of peer pressure, then that's when they make the wrong decisions. And you can probably guess the kind of things we're talking about. Well, if you can't, we'll just give you a couple of suggestions. We we sit down with the kids, I say maybe 10, 11, 12, um, even 13. Richard says 8. I think you can start this as early as 8, but you decide after you hear yeah, it. You know your child. But anyway, we sit down with them. We give them a special journal with their name engraved on the front. We said, we want you to keep your special experiences in here. Just write them down briefly so you'll remember them. But before you write anything in here, go, turn to the last page and write this title at the top. Decisions I have made in advance. And then you start talking about what they can do in advance and what they cannot do in advance. I mean, you could play a game with them like, okay, let's decide how many kids you're going to have. And they're going, well, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, how about when you're where you're going to live in like 10 years? Well, I don't know. But... Um, if you say, well, wait a minute, could you decide right now that you're not going to cheat on a test? And, you know, either the light goes on or the guilt comes out, like, uh-huh, shoot, 
I'm too late on that one. <laughs> anyway, um, but it is interesting to talk with them about, you know, can you decide right now you're not going to smoke? You're really going to decide that? Well, yeah. And then we go through uh, a, a short list of things that they could decide, but we said don't write anything down until you have decided that is your decision. Well, hang on a minute, Linda, because some skeptics may be listening and saying, oh, come on, you know, a 10-year-old, I mean, he's just going to, that's not really a decision. He's just, you know, he's going to try to please his parents and just say, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure I won't ever smoke or I won't do drugs or I won't won't have sexual, I won't become sexually active. And and you, you can think about all those things and a skeptic might say, yeah, but that's not really a decision. But you know what? The, if you put enough time into it as a parent and you, you create a scenario and you use sort of a role-playing, let's think about this sort of a, a view, kids really are capable. It's remarkable how capable they are of imagining themselves five years from now. And, you know, you're not 10 anymore, you're 15. And, you know, what would you do? And, and, you know, you're really good at that, Linda. Give them an, an example of a case study. But don't, but don't shut this idea out because it sounds like just a, an exercise. Because the biggest problem families have, and we really know this for a fact after seeing it so often, is when a good kid who's, you know, really not, a, not trying in any way to misbehave, he, he's, a, he's a good kid who tries to go by the rules, and then he gets in a situation where peer pressure is far greater than he'd ever imagined, and he makes one really dumb decision, and maybe it leads to an addiction, maybe it leads to an accident, maybe it leads to, you know, any number of, of things, and if only he had thought about that situation before it happened, then he probably wouldn't have made that bad choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, kids are not just mean-spirited little devils that are trying to make your life miserable. They just have not thought about something that might happen to them. And if they think ahead, it is amazing the difference it makes. For example, um, we were in Egypt a few years ago, and we had the kids come in from 12 to 18. And we talked to them for a while about making decisions in advance and how important it is and so on. And then the the importance of once you decide that's what you want to do, then you write it down in that in that journal in the back and or wherever you decide. And then you sign it, seal it, you know, date it, slit your thumb open, sign it in blood, not really. But, you know, just make it seem really formal and serious about this is what you've decided it's not my decision it's yours so we said okay so does anyone here know right now something they would like to put on their list for sure and by the way this was one of these meetings i just described we had a bunch of kids we had you know two or three dozen kids and we were talking directly to them and the parents were sitting all around the perimeter of the room and so Picture that in your mind as Linda goes on with this story. So this cute little boy named Andrew, who was 12, his hand just shot up. And I said, Andrew, what have you decided? He said, I will never, I will never take drugs. I've just decided that right now. It's stupid. I know that and so on. And I said, Andrew, that is awesome. 
But let me just give you a little scenario to think about. Okay, you're 12 now, but in five years you're going to be 17. What if the most popular girl in your school, which is a very prestigious school, asks you to come to a party on the weekend and you're so excited because she's so popular and you get there and there's all these popular kids there, maybe 25 kids who are the most popular kids in the school and after you've been there for about a half an hour and you're just in heaven, this girl that you went with comes up to you and unrolls her hand and says, Andrew, you got to try this pill. It is amazing. You will not believe what will happen to you in the next two hours. I mean, it'll, it'll wear off. You'll be fine by the time you go home. But it is awesome. It's so fabulous. And everyone, everyone at this party has already taken one. Andrew, what are you going to do? And he thought for just a minute and then really he put his hands on his hips he said I would say I decided when I was 12 years old that I was never going to take drugs do I promise myself do you want me to break my promise and I thought oh man that kid I mean there's no guarantee he's going to be brave enough to do that but it is interesting because it gives him something to fall back on he's thought about it And he said, you know, I I promised myself that I wasn't going to do this, and I'm really not going to do it. And I think all he'll get is just respect from the other kids who, I mean, we could be wrong. Maybe he could be bullied, but he made that decision. Well, and now now some of you listeners who actually look at the BYURadio.org website, you may be saying, when does the sex part come? I thought this, this show today was going to be on kids and sex, and indeed it is. But we wanted to do this lead-in because here's what we think, and this is based on our own experience with a lot of parents around the world. Most parents do, they may not have all the techniques Linda just mentioned of, of case studies and making decisions in advance and whatever, but they do at least make an attempt in most cases to talk to their kids about violence and to talk to their kids about honesty and to talk to their kids about substance abuse and smoking and drinking and drugs you know what they don't do a very good job of talking to their kids about sex and you probably can guess why because you might be one of those parents it's a little embarrassing it's you don't know how to approach it you don't know how to get into it you don't know how the kid will react you don't know what age to to do it and all these things so we want to just offer you parents a few guidelines today and then since the show's not near long enough, we're going to give you a couple of resources at the end of the show where you can go to get more detailed information and help and even an actual dialogue that you can read like a play so that you will have confidence in the fact that you are doing the right thing, covering the right bases, and maybe most important, doing it with the right tone. That That's probably the reason, Linda, a lot of parents are hesitant. They, they don't want to scare their kids. They want sex to be a positive thing for their kids. But they themselves, the parents, are scared to death of the statistics that we all see of earlier and earlier sexual activity and sexual experimentation and kids almost viewing sex as a form of recreation it's a scary world and and parent and the other thing we hear a lot of parents saying is well i just don't think i have enough influence with my child i mean the peer group and the media and the internet are so influential 
how can I really impact this child? And other parents even say, well, I don't want to talk too early to him about sex. It'll just make him curious, and then they'll be more likely to experiment or whatever. So let's start with this one fact. The, the, the fact is that the earlier parents talk to their kids about sex, the later those kids will experiment. Now, that's just a statistical fact, and, and how do we know that? We know it through studies that have been done, but also, also through our own experience with parents. And what happens is when a parent has the right tools and takes the initiative to have the big talk, and it's not just one big talk, it's opening a series of talks and really making it an open subject in the home. But once a parent does that, He's in on the ground floor, he or she, as, as the parent. And that will be the basis on which kids view all the other things they see about sex. So earlier the better, we suggest around eight years old. And then you become the thing by which all other things that they hear and see and so on are measured. That is so true. So when we come back, we're going to give you some specifics. And it makes it a lot less scary than you think it's going to be. So we'll be back in just a minute. Right after this break. Iyer's on the Road. Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Linda, are you back too? I'm back too. We're on different extensions here and... So um, what did we just promise people we were going to do the second half of this show, honey? Well, we are going to talk about how to talk to your child about sex. And we're going to give you some suggestions about when to start. Although, don't panic. If you haven't done this yet, it's okay. It's, it's better to start early, but it's never too late. So um, it really is a fun thing. And this is an idea that somebody gave us years hey, ago. Just let me let me throw in at the outset so people don't panic about how short an overview we're giving them. And I'll mention this at the end, too. We want to give you two resources for what you're going to hear now that you can get into further detail. And they're very simple, and you can remember them both if you're driving or whatever. You don't have to write them down. You can remember them. The first one is go online to valuesparenting.com, all strung together, valuesparenting.com, and you'll find a click for how to talk to your child about sex, and that'll lay out a lot of what Linda's going to explain in a minute. And then secondly, if you want to have a little fun, go to our uh, YouTube, which is the same name as this radio show. Just go to YouTube slash Ayers on the Road, and you'll find a little video. Um, it actually, <laughs> you can't miss it because it starts out with Linda with a parrot on her head, and we're in Puerto Rico, and we're, gonna, we're, we're announcing that we're going to talk about the birds and the bees, and then there's a little video on there. So that's two resources to follow up on what Linda's going to go into. Now go ahead, honey. Okay, so this, as I mentioned, is an idea that, Somebody gave us before our oldest turned eight, or I don't know, we would have thought about it, honey. I, I don't know. Anyway, it seemed terrifying to me at the time, but they said just take them out on their birthday. If you don't have a deadline, it is just not going to happen. So just on their eighth birthday, like two weeks before their birthday, you start saying, you know, 
on your birthday, we're going to take you out and tell you about the most amazing, awesome, incredible thing in the whole world. It is just it's just amazing. You will not believe it. But, you know, just And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and, and it's just something we're excited to tell you about. So then, you know, a week goes by and only one more week till we get to go out and talk about the most amazing, awesome, wonderful, beautiful thing in the world. And um, we're not going to tell you what it is, but it has to do with you. So then um, comes the big day. And I have to admit, on the big day, we were living in Washington, D.C. at the time, and I remember kind of standing at the door with Richard waiting for Sarah and our oldest to come out, and I said, you know, I just, I'm not sure I can do this. You are such a good talker. You nearly chickened out. You are such a good talker, Richard. You take her and just tell her all this, and then, you know, let me know. You nearly chickened out. Actually, that was so stupid, because actually it was so interesting so well and if you're a two-parent family what there there couldn't be any subject you could imagine where it would make a a better statement and create a message in and of itself just that you as a couple are having this discussion with this little child because it gives you a chance to say this is a beautiful thing we're talking about when it's with the right person at the right time that's absolutely right. So anyway, we went and we had the most interesting talk. We took a little book with us, which our kids have now told us that they didn't like so much. So they said, we just get stuff off the Internet with pictures. Of uh, but I, I, I still like it. It's so an old book, but it's called Where Did I Come From by Peter Mayle, M-A-Y-L-E. Carl Mayle, I think. Peter. Is it? Peter. And okay. it's really, really good. But... Now, of course, in today's world, where we we don't have to rely on that because we've just given you a resource where you can actually read, here's what you say to the child, here's what the child will say to you, here's what you say next, child may say this or this, in which case you say this or that, so it's laid out and you don't have to be tongue-tied as a parent or red in the face or wonder if you're taking things in the right sequence or whatever. And I'll tell you right now, it's all based on, here's another thing studies show, that kids, the biggest deterrent to early sexual experimentation is not fear of a disease or pregnancy or whatever the parent might have told the child could happen. The biggest deterrent is the idea that sex at the right time with the right person can be wonderful. That hope, it turns out, is what causes kids not to feel like they want to experiment and have sex as recreation. Well, you know, it really, uh, we cannot tell you the number of parents who've come to us and said, we did it, it worked, it was amazing, we were worried, was he too young, was he not, you know, did we wait too long? And No one ever says that. And really, no one ever says that. They said it was just a marvelous experience, and as Richard said earlier, it's just a first experience. But I have to tell you that um, actually, in talking to our kids now that they're grown, we said, you know, how do you feel about that? I mean, one and of our. And what are you doing now with your kids as they as they turn eight? Right, and they're doing actually. Our one of our daughters uh, printed out the dialogue and put it on her lap and read it. And that's fine. <laughs> At dinner, that's and fine. It's just fine. She said it worked. He said what you said he was going to say. It was amazing. But I do have to say that um, we did have a fun little experience with this, with one of our sons who 
who admitted that he really thought we were going to tell him about some wild, exotic, beautiful flower. <laughs> so he was a little disappointed in that. But he said uh, one time he called us. He was he'd married. He'd, he was down at BYU as a student with his wife. She was a student too, and they were struggling along. And they'd been married for about a year. And, and they called and said, you know, we want to take you guys to dinner. We said, oh, no, you're just struggling students. Just come home. I'll feed you. We can have a little chat. No, we need to have a little chat, but we really want to take you to dinner. So um, we obliged and went downtown, went to a hamburger joint. I can't remember. They would remember. What was it? Were you calling the training the table. Training I table. remember it. Training table. So he goes in there and he looks around, looks around, and he finds just the table that he wants. And we go sit down. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people around, but nobody can hear what we're talking about. And um, at the end of the meal, he said, uh, do you remember that this is where we had the big talk right here? This when day? I was just a little eight-year-old boy. And uh, we had totally forgotten because we'd done it so many times. Anyway, um, he was so cute. And his cute wife pulls a little pregnancy stick out of her purse, positive. And he said, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, what he meant was more deep, deep than it sounds. He meant that it worked in the sense that he had waited for the right person at the right time. And it was wonderful, the marriage they had, and it was wonderful that now they were going to have a baby. And that was that, that was, was payday. I, I get a that little was choked payday. up just thinking yeah. about that. But, I, but I, again, back to the actual process. Um, uh, we we did write a book years ago that was a bestseller called How to Talk to Your Child About Sex. But the bulk of that book was this dialogue we're telling you about that, that's for this big talk. Well, I shouldn't say the bulk of the book. That's the epicenter of the book. But there are also ideas on what you do with a preschooler to make him appreciate his body and know that it's sacred and so on. And how you build up to this big talk. And maybe even more important ideas and thoughts on how after you've had the big talk to follow up and what a lot of parents tell us is that what's great about having a candid open talk with the child while they're not cynical they're still young enough to think you know something that's one of the reasons for doing it early the beauty of, the beauty of that is it sort of opens up a trust level and kids will talk to you about other unrelated things just because in their mind it's like, wow, if we can talk about sex, then we can pretty much talk about anything. And so it's a it's a beautiful thing, but you don't want to try it without some guidance. So do some research, take a look at the resources we've offered you, which I'll mention again right at the end of the show, and then add others that you think you want to use but the most important thing is don't abdicate. Don't trust the school to do this for you. Don't trust, for heaven's sake, the peer group or the Internet to do this for you because they'll do it. I mean, your child will, you can be sure, your child will find out everything there is to know about sex, but he'll find it from all the wrong sources unless you become that source. And, you know, and we know that. I'm not, I'm not beating you over the head with it, but it's just... It's important to do it, and as you said earlier, Linda, if if your child's 10 or 12 or whatever, that's okay. There's some provisions where you can go back and say, hey, we know you already know a certain amount of things, but let's start from scratch and talk about this so we can tell you how we feel about this wonderful process of intimacy. 
Um, well, it's very interesting because I have to say that our last, what you just said, r- reminded me that our last daughter, uh, we were again in Washington, D.C. We kind of went back and forth in those days, and we had a home there that we just kept renting out, and then we'd go back. And Anyway, we were there on the day we were going to take her out, and she came running into me. She'd been watching the news the five o'clock news and she said mom did you hear that the principal of the high school's son has had sex with six girls and i just oh my gosh we're too late why didn't we think of this sooner we're living in dc how old was she like this well eight this was just the day we were taking her out okay okay and i just thought oh my gosh we've missed it we've missed it oh my gosh so we went out we did the whole thing and at the end we said now did you know anything about this? And she said, no, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, obviously, she'd heard the words. She'd heard phrases. She'd seen things on TV that had never put it together. And I think that's mostly true of eight-year-olds. They're yeah, still not, pretty young yeah, and innocent. And, you're not going to get many eight-year-olds who's, who will say, oh, I already know all this and so on. Well, they've, you will. They, well, but, they've heard words and they've they've got some clues, but they're they're still innocent. They're still open they're still trusting their this is a much harder talk to have with a 12 or 13 year old partly because they already know too much but partly because they're not as uh, they're not as sweet in terms of their naivete and their openness well i think even if you have as a teenager that you haven't talked to you start by saying i know that you probably know a lot of this and we but we just need to talk about it because we need to know how you feel about it you need to know how we feel about it, and so let's just kind of lay it out, and then you let me know. Um, if you want me to stop, we can stop and talk about it. But it, it does make an open door right, okay. for the rest of their lives. Okay, so here's a, so so basically two things we want you to remember. Number one, an admonition: do this, have this talk. If you're a grandparent listening. There's no reason you can't talk to your kids about whether they are making provisions to have this talk with their kids. But it should be the parents who do it. If you're a single parent, maybe take along a grandparent or whatever so you have two of you there and, and, and go ahead and have the talk. That's the first thing. Be bold. Do it. You, you will not regret it. The second thing is have some resources. I'm going to give them to you in the opposite order because if I were a parent getting ready for this, the first thing I would do is watch this little video just to kind of encourage you on what to do. So just go to YouTube slash Ayers on the Road, and you'll find there in the index one on how, how and when to talk to your child about sex. And then for the dialogue to tell you what to say and in what order to say it, go to valuesparenting.com and click the icon that says how to talk to your child about sex. Good luck. Have courage. Do it. And just know that our kids remember what they were, what they ate, and what they thought that night. It was it was monumental. So good luck. We hope we talk again soon. We'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs>